Uh, if I could uh, share just a few thoughts on these first three lines from the second verse of the hymn we just sang. These three phrases, we shall behold him, we shall be with him, and we shall be like him. These are the great hope for the Christian. This is the hope that we have before us um, as we think about our future and as we think about the eternal state. So perhaps we can just consider uh, a verse for each one of these and see what the Lord has for us this morning to encourage us to not only live in light of that hope for the future, but also to begin to enjoy the reality of it even now in the present. So first we said, we saying, we shall behold him whom not seen we love. If we could just turn to first Peter. This is a, the, that line from the hymn comes from first Peter chapter one, where um, Peter, who we know did see the Lord, um, he was one who actually saw him and not just saw him as a man, but also saw him glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then again, he saw him resurrected. And after he had raised and he saw him ascend. So Peter was in a blessed position of being one who um, saw the Lord. But when he wrote to the church in first Peter, he was speaking to them as those who were undergoing much suffering. So in first Peter one, he says in verse six, in this, you rejoice though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then this is the verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so there he's able to see, say to those Christians in the early church, though you do not see him, you love him, but you have a hope of one day beholding him whom not seen you love. And that's our hope as well. We've never seen the Lord, but one day we will. The second line says, we shall be with him whom we long to see. You know, I was thinking of what's the difference between seeing him and being with him. But I was thinking of, for example, if you attend, maybe if you go to a big concert and you're there and you see the person up on the stage, you can see them, but it's very different if you have the backstage pass and you can go back, back behind the stage and spend time with that famous person. So on the one hand, you could say, oh, we saw them, we saw the person, but then to be with them is much more intimate. And the truth is, our hope is not just to see the Lord, 
as one would see, say, a distant king up on his throne. But instead, our hope is to actually be with the Lord, nearer to him than we, you know, nearer to him than we can ever imagine. So if we could just flip to a familiar verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we have that phrase, to be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This entire book of 1 Thessalonians has the coming of the Lord in mind, the fact that he will come again. And as he encourages the saints in 1 Thessalonians 4, he speaks of the dead in Christ rising first in verse 16. And then in verse 17, he says, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. That's really a comfort. You know, it's, it's comforting to know that we will be in a place where there will be no suffering, no death. It's comforting to know that we'll see our loved ones again who have died in the Lord. But Paul goes here straight to the most comforting, the most hopeful thought that we will be with the Lord forever. We'll be in the, same, in the same room with him. We'll be in the same vicinity as him, able to reach out and enjoy his embrace. In John 17, in that great high priestly prayer, the Lord Jesus actually expresses his desire to the Father with just those same words. He says in John 17, Verse um, 24, it says, I Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So his great desire, it's not just our desire, but his desire is to have us with him. And that is the hope of the believer. And then the third line says, not only shall we see him and be with him, but we shall also be like him, fit for realms above. And of course, that's the most hard to even understand, because we know there's nothing, there's no one like the Lord Jesus. He is fairest among 10,000. He's the a perfect expression of the Father. But as believers, we have the promise that he will make us like him to the point where we will be fit for eternity, as we have in this hymn. It says, fit for realms above. We'll have the same uh, eternally resurrected body that we won't be able to, we'll never die, and we'll be able to enjoy glory with him forever. We'll be morally pure. There will be no more sin, no more darkness in our souls because we'll be perfectly cleansed by him. And we see a glimpse of this in 1 John chapter 3, this idea that one day we will be like him. This doesn't mean that we'll lose all sense of um, individual self. For example, even though Elijah and Moses were in the presence of God, they were 
uh, in a glorified state. They were still recognizable as Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's not like everyone would just be clones of Jesus walking around in glory, but to a certain extent, we will be like him in every way that matters. And so John gets excited about that in 1 John chapter 3, when he says, uh, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And so there we see that the um, two things are tied together. We will be like him because we'll finally see him for who he is. And that vision will be transforming so that we have this great hope before us of one day being able to see the Lord who we love already, even though we haven't seen him. We're going to be able to be with him forever. And we're going to be like him. But like I said in the beginning, this is not just a hope for the future, for the sweet by and by. In a way, we can begin to enjoy these realities even now. What does it mean to see the Lord now? You know, we, I think the most obvious truth or the most obvious application of that for us is to see him revealed in the word. When we read of the Lord Jesus and we watch him with our eyes of faith, walking through Jerusalem, walking through Israel, teaching, healing, um, showing his compassion, we're seeing the Lord. We're seeing him, we're seeing his life lived out on the pages of scripture. When we read through the Old Testament and we see someone like Joseph, and we see how he is serving as a type or a picture of Jesus. We're seeing Jesus in a fresh way. So let's begin, let's already begin to enjoy that seeing even now. Um, you know, the Paul prays that the eyes of our heart would be opened, that we may be able to see how much he loves us, that we may be able to experience now, not to wait until eternal, the eternal state, but to already begin to see him um, in all of his beauty and all of his glory. And we do that by, I think, reading the word. And what does it mean to be with him now? So one day, of course, we'll be with him where he is. That was the prayer in John 17. But if you flip back to John 12, we see... Another way that we can think about what it means to be with the Lord. In John 12, he's speaking about what it means to follow him. He says in verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me. He must follow me. And where I am, 
there will my servant be also. So that's an interesting thing to think about. Where I am, there will my servant be also. Well, where is the Lord now? This is where he, we look around at the world and say, where is the Lord at work? Where is he making his presence known? And if I want to be with the Lord, then I need to be there with that person. Well, we know from scripture that he draws near to the brokenhearted. So if we want to be with the Lord, we should draw near to the brokenhearted. We, we know from scripture that the Lord says, if you do any of this to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And so as we extend love, and care, and hospitality to the people around us, especially those who are deeply in need, we are, in some sense, drawing near to be with the Lord. When we're with the meek and lowly, we are with the Lord. Um, You know, we also have that truth that he has promised where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them, And so we know that when we gather uh, with the Lord's people, that's another expression of what it means to be with the Lord. But it's not only on a Sunday morning, or it's not only as we gather in this way, the Lord is at work in this world. And so if we want to be with him one day in glory, let's try to be with him right now by drawing near to those who are uh, in need. And then finally, what does it mean to be like him? Now, how does that really work? Um, What does it mean for us to be like the Lord now? I think in this respect of uh, somebody like the Apostle Paul, who was able to say to those he wrote to, imitate me as I imitate the Lord. And he wrote to the Philippians because, see, Paul was already becoming like the Lord. Of course, he wasn't fully there. He'd be the first to acknowledge it. In Philippians, he said, not that I've already arrived, but I'm in process. I'm in progress. I'm becoming more like the Lord. And to the extent that you see me living like the Lord, imitate me. And so as we imitate the godly examples around us, as we try to uh, allow the spirit to work in our lives, we are becoming like the Lord Jesus. We're being conformed to the image of God's Son. So in a sense, we don't need to wait until eternity. It's already starting to happen. And so that's why Paul was able to say in Philippians 2, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So have you have this mind in you and among yourselves, have it now. Have the mind of Christ now, and that is our privilege as well. So we have these three things as a great hope before us in the future, that one day we will see the Lord. One day we will be with him. One day we will be like him. But even now we can begin to see him more clearly. We can begin to dwell with him more nearly like the old song used to say, to dwell with them more nearly, and then to follow him more clearly. Follow him more, that's wrong, to see him more clearly, 
to love him more dearly and to follow him more nearly. Sorry, <laughs> that's what it was. And so we see in that, in that little song, to see him more clearly, to uh, love him more dearly, to follow him more nearly. That can be our experience even now. Maybe as we close, we can just sing that last verse of the hymn one more time. This was hymn 218, verse 2. We'll sing that as we close. We shall behold him whom not seen we love. We shall be with him whom we long to see. We shall be like him fit for realms above, with him and like him for eternity. Is now to sing at Jesus' feet our choice. How will fruition then our souls rejoice? Amen.